Hi there, this is Patrick Meyer. It's good to have you for our Bible study today. And today I want to talk on the topic of righteousness and true holiness. Let me repeat again. The topic today for Bible study is righteousness and true holiness. And I'll begin by reading a text from the book of Psalms. And this is a Psalm of David, uh, Psalm chapter 40. From verse uh, 6, it says, Sacrifice and offerings you do not desire. My ears, as I, are you, have you opened? In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, it says, A body have you given me. Then it says, Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will. O oh my God, yea, the law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. You see, King David, the man who God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He said that he did not hide the righteousness of God in his heart, but he declared it to the great congregation. It is important that today as Christians, we are taught and we continue to learn about walking in righteousness and true holiness. Because that is what God has called us, righteousness and true holiness. And what is this all about? Let me take you to the first point. It comes from the book of Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. It's always good to go to the book of the beginnings. And we find a, a, a text here, a story whereby Abraham is talking to God. And he's telling God, you promised me a son when I was 75 years old. And I'm still sonless, childless in fact. My wife is growing more and more frail and old, as am I. But God told him, you see this sky? You will have children as many as the stars in the sky, as many as the suns in the seashores. You can see, you can, have the, you can see the ocean over there. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. I love that. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him. For righteousness. Let me read a text for you from the book of Romans chapter 4. From verse 1 it says, What shall we say then, then that Abraham our father has pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that works is a reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sin are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Wow, I like that. King David and our father Abraham the patriarch, they learned the secret to righteousness. It's not based on your works, my friend. It's not based on how well you can keep the law. It's not based on how well you've memorized and kept the Ten Commandments. It's not based on keeping a, a checklist. Let's say you have the Ten Commandments in your house, maybe, maybe a poster, and at the end of the day you always stick to see, ah, today I kept this one, today I failed this one. No. Righteousness that the Christian has is imputed. It is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. What good news. <laughs> I love that. Hallelujah. Every religion, every philosophy, every way of life, their way of righteousness is always on this. 
It's based on how well you keep the law. It's based on how well you, you keep the religious way of life. It's, it's, it's based on uh, the outward appearance, if you know what I'm talking about. And that can become very burdensome. It can make you to become very weary and tired with your, 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 your seeking of God. But look at what God does. He realizes that no man can be justified by the keeping of the law. Because we are told in James 2 verse 10, if we keep the whole law, yet offend in one, we have failed all. So if I keep all the Ten Commandments and one day I lie, I'm not just lied, I'm an adulterer at heart, I'm a murderer, and I'm all those things, I'm covetous. So God's standards are far away above the standards that we as human beings have. So God decides to send Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who died on the cross for our sins and rose after the grave. He was put to death for our offenses, he was raised again for our justification. And so because Jesus has risen, and when I put faith in him and I just believe, it's not based on your works, my friend. Listen to me. If you accepted Jesus Christ personally as Lord and Savior, you are righteous. Just as the way Abraham believed that he was a father to many, many millions of, 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 of descendants, even though he could not see anything physically, neither could he feel. In fact, by his feelings, he felt like he was growing more and more weaker. So the first thing I want to tell you about righteousness, it's based on faith alone, not based on your feelings, not based on what you see. You have to believe, you have to confess that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Is it based on your works? No, it's because you have put faith in the finished work of Jesus. And realize this, my friend, that grace is not a license for sin. Some would listen to this message and they would say, oh, so that's what he said, just, be, just believe. No, it's not, what, what is your belief about? What, do you say? what does it mean when you say, I believe Jesus? In James 2 verse 19, the apostle says to the Christians who are Jewish Christians, he said to them, people who had been raised and brought up around the law, he said to them, do you believe there is one God? He said, good, even the demons believe and they tremble. Demons know that Jesus died on the cross and rose after three days. It's a historical fact. If I went around this place and I asked a hundred people, did Jesus rise from the dead? I believe 90% even here in Mombasa would say yes. But it's one thing to know that in your mind, to know that in a mental way. But it's another thing for that truth, to, for you to really believe it from your heart. Amen. As we are told in Romans chapter 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart, you didn't say with your mind, it says you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth, salvation, uh, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And he says, whosoever shall call upon him shall not be put to shame. Hallelujah. I love that. Start confessing who you are in Jesus. Confess that I am righteous because I've put faith even when things are growing worse. Why? Because it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. This is the exchange life. I want to read to you, continue to read Romans chapter 4 verse 17. It says as it is written, this is talking about Abraham. I have made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth things which be not as though they were. God has a knack. God has a habit of calling things which be not as though they were. So when there was no light, what did God say? Let there be light. And there was light. Amen. So God, is, God was teaching Abraham to call things which be not as though they were. For 24 years, Abraham woke up every day and he said, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that I have a son. Thank you that I have a son from my own bowels. Despite the fact that things are growing worse physically. 
despite the fact that he was growing frail, despite the fact that he had married a barren woman called Sarah. If you read in the book of Genesis chapter 11, you're told that Sarah was barren from the time Abraham married her. And she was past menopause because she was over the age of 60. So he had to confess every day for 24 years. My friend, that's the epitome of faith. That's why he's called the father of faith. The Bible says that Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. How many want to be called the friend of God? I would love to be called the friend of God. Let's continue learning from our father Abraham. Romans chapter 4 verses 18, it says, talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither they yet the deadest of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded what he was promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Then look at what he goes on to say. Now, it was not written for his sake alone. God is not respect, God is not respecter of persons. He loves you and I just as, he, he loved, as much as he loves, he loves Abraham. He says, but it was written for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. If something is imputed, it means that you have not worked for it. It basically means God has come, withdrawn all the sin from your account, and he has placed Jesus' righteousness in your account. That's why it's imputed. It has nothing to do with, with, with your ability to keep the law. Let's say it, 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 but it is for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again, for our justification. Amen. Remember my friend, Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 6, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in saying the grace we are bound? He said, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We are told in Titus chapter 2 verse 11 that the grace of God, which bringeth salvation, which brings salvation, has appeared to all men. What does it do? It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldliness that we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope, what is the blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. That is what righteousness is. Believe God, it is counted to you for righteousness. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross. He, number one, he lived a perfect life. For 30, 33 years, he died on the cross for your sins. He took all your sins on himself and he rose from, your, from the grave after three days for your justification. Believe that, not based on what you are doing, what you have done and what you will continue to do, based on the finished work. And therefore, it is counted to you for righteousness. You have to do it despite contradictory circumstances and or evidence. Many people become truly saved, but they find sin, especially habitual sins, constantly hammering them constantly attacking them and they wonder they're like am i really saved and i find people online saying oh please pray for me i'm addicted to pornography please pray for me i have a, a, a an addiction to smoking cigarettes please pray for me the problem they're doing is they are focusing on their barrenness let's say as as Abra abraham was barren and sarah don't focus on your barrenness focus on jesus say i am the righteousness of god believe god L look at what it says in romans chapter 4 it says, he staggered not, Abraham, do not stagger. He staggered not at unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Anytime you have that desire to sin, or maybe after you have sinned, give glory to God. Say, Lord, I, 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 I believe that I am righteous, despite what's going on now. It takes out of faith to do that, because it's this religious mentality of trying to work 
for not just your salvation, but even your sanctification and your walk with Jesus. This is an exchange life, my friend. It's a beautiful life. Laying everything to Jesus and it cannot fail to work. Because if it's the faith of Jesus, it cannot fail. True faith is evidenced by works. Not works that I do, but Jesus working through me that which is good. Amen. Glory to Jesus. In Psalm chapter 4 verse 1, King David begins the psalm saying, saying Help me, O God, of my righteousness. Isn't it amazing that King David in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, understood that his righteousness came from God. So he says, O God of my righteousness. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 54 verse 17, many times we quote this scripture when dealing with spiritual warfare. But listen to what it says. It says, No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that raises against you in judgment, you will condemn. It says, For this is the heritage of my servants, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Our righteousness comes from God. It is imputed, has nothing to do with us, has everything to do with Jehovah. Righteousness is a blessing. Psalm 24, one of the most beautiful psalms in my opinion. And King David, I, I, I love this man. King David says in Psalm 24 verses, verses 5, talking about the man who is hungry for God, the one who is seeking God. He says, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So those who seek God, they shall receive blessing from the Lord. And watch this. Most times when you think about blessing, you think about cars, houses, I don't know, real estate, jewelry and all these things. But it says he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. The greatest blessing you can have, my friend, is to be clothed with the beauty of righteousness. The Bible calls God, God is referred to as the beauty of holiness. The beautiful thing about God is his holiness. When Isaiah saw him in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, that famous vision he had after the king Uzziah had died, he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon the temple and his train, sorry, sitting on a throne, highly lifted up and his train filled the temple. And all Isaiah could say was holy. Not, not Isaiah, sorry, it was a seraphims. They were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. He is holy. That is the beauty of his holiness. He is, I mean, the, the word perfect, uh, excellent, doesn't begin to describe him. Amen. And we want to be just like him because he says in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, he says, as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So how do we get to this place? It's a psalm I love. Again, King David, as usual, Psalm 17, verses 15, he says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake with thy, like, with thy, with thy, with, with thy likeness. King David is basically saying this, What I will do in this life is I will seek your face. And I will behold your face in righteousness. So David understood something. Again, I love this man. He was living the new covenant when he was still in the old. He realized that as he beholds the glory of God, he becomes more and more like him. So my friend, if you want to walk in righteousness and true holiness, be in a hurry to seek the face of God, not to ask things from God. We have been taught a certain kind of Christianity. It's basically gold digging. Whereby we are always asking God for things. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give I want, I need, protect me, save this. I don't, I don't even understand what I'm saying. But most times we don't even seek God. Just to seek Him. Saying I'm here. Like a little child. I'm looking to you. I desire you. I long for you. I want you. I worship you. I praise you. I give you thanks. Like the Apostle Paul and Silas. 
who are worshipping and praising the Lord at midnight with, with wounds in their backs because of Romans scourging, which is a very painful thing. All they could do was to give praise and thanks to the Lord. That, my friends, is the height of spirituality. That is the height of the Christian faith or, or walk. So, King David understood something. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7, you are told that the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. The glory of God is in the face of Jesus. As you seek the face of Jesus, what will happen is you will start to reflect his glory. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says that we with open face, beholding the glory of the Lord as in a glass. 1 Corinthians 13, you are told that now we see through a glass darkly, but then we will see face to face when Jesus returns. It says, now we know in part, then shall we know even as we are known. So, as we behold the glory of the Lord in a glass, we are being turned into the same image from glory to glory. Who is doing it? You or me? No, no, no. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, as you behold the face of Jesus, as you say, Lord, I worship you today, I desire you, I long for you, I seek you. As you spend quality time with him, praying, worshipping, not asking for things, Please understand what I'm trying to say. Seeking him, reading his word. What happens is the Holy Spirit comes and he transforms you from glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's why we can confidently say, as 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 says, Though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. So friend, nothing on earth can separate you from the fact whether we're walking in times of grace or righteousness, nothing can separate you from the fact that you need quality time every day to be with Jesus. Set aside time. It doesn't have to be one hour or two hours. You can do it for five minutes just to gaze at him. Look into your Savior. Look into his, into his loving eyes. His eyes are as a flame of fire told the book of Revelation. When John saw him, John, the apostle John saw him, he fell down on his feet as one who was dead. But Jesus lifted him up and said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am he who was dead, but now I am alive and I live forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death. Hallelujah. Glory be to his name. We're looking at the topic righteousness and true holiness. Not based on religious works, but based on fruit that flows through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to read to you something, my friend. I realize one of the big problems we have as Christians is that we don't know who we are in Christ. We have a problem of identity. When you don't know who you are, the devil will take advantage and he will try to take everything away from you. After all, we are told that he comes to kill, to steal and to destroy. But thank God you're watching this. It's time for you to know who you are in Christ. First Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother, and to the church of God which is at Corinth, now we all know, probably the most controversial church in the whole Bible was the church of Corinth. He says, to them that are sanctified, these same, same people that Paul, but he calls them sanctified. Now, the word there to be sanctified is a Greek word which literally means to be set apart as holy. A vessel of honor. Isn't that interesting? He said, to them who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, why? Why are they sanctified? Because of their works? No, because they are in Christ Jesus. You'll remember with me Colossians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God, the throne of God. He says, set your affections, your mind on things above, and not on things of the earth. Then he says, for you are dead. 
and your life is hid with Christ in God. I normally like to say this, if the devil wants to come at, after me, he has to go through God first, then through Christ, then he'll get to me. So he says, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And he says, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. So he says, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, to them who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Again, that word saint means literally holy, perfect. As though, you know, people usually think saints are Saint Mother Teresa, I don't know, Pope somebody, I'm not being disrespectful. You know, saint, if you are born again, you are a saint. Why? Because you are declared to be righteous in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. So, I want you to understand something. You are already righteous. <laughs> Just by the fact that you have been born again. That you have been born of water and of the spirit. In the book of Titus chapter 3 verses 8, we are told that you have received the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians chapter 6 verses 11 says that such were some of you. Some of them were robbers, some of them were thieves, fornicators, adulterers, liars, homosexuals, effeminate, cross-dressers. Eish. <laughs> says such were some of you, but you are washed. You have been sanctified, again that word, consecrated, set apart as holy. You have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In the book of Romans chapter 8, verses 31, verses 29 says that we were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son Jesus. So we have been predestined, we have been called, we have been justified, and we are already glorified. It's a finished work. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, we are seated right now in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right now as I'm talking to you, Patrick Mayo, is seated in heavenly places in Christ. That's what makes me righteous. It's the fact that I've put faith in Jesus. That's why we can say, for it is by grace alone that we are saved. Through faith, it's not of ourselves, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. The just lives by faith. We are righteous. We are already righteous. Can you believe that? You're already holy. Peter tells uh, Christians scattered throughout Asia, which is Asia Minor, which, which is present-day Turkey. And the apostle Peter writes to them, he says, he's telling them, look, this is your identity, this is who you are. He says, First Peter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So you are kings and priests at the same time. Then he says you are a holy nation. Look at that. I am holy. So when you hear Sinat saying, I am holy, she's not being proud. She has entered that realm of knowing who she is in Jesus. We are a chosen generation, a peculiar people. We are strangers, pilgrims. This world is not our home. This world has nothing to offer. We are waiting for Jesus to take us to the new Jerusalem. Well, that doesn't mean that we are some cult hiding underground, <laughs> not working and living life. No, we are enjoying life to the fullest. In fact, God is prospering us and giving us health and we are doing well in this life also. Amen. So I want you to understand who you are already in Christ. Righteousness and true holiness comes when you understand, when you find identity. Not saying what you are, but who you are in Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 23 to 24 says, that the God of peace is the one who sanctifies us. That word again, he is the one who consecrates us. He washes us, makes us clean. Entirely, he says, holy. He says, and I pray now that, you, that your whole spirit, soul and body, are preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus. I love this. My whole spirit, soul and body, are preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus. And faithful is he who has called me. He who will also do it. Remember? 
that great is his faithfulness. It reaches unto the clouds. His mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. I love this. Psalm 23 verse 3. We've gone back to King David again. He says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that's why I can say that he, God has made he, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for me. And so I've been made the righteousness of God in him. If you are born again, my friend, wake up every morning and say this, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 4 verses 24, the apostle Paul writes something. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 23 to 24, he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and, you put on, and, and, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's why we got the, the sermon uh, title for today. He says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Then I'd like to read you another text in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 10, which says, You have put on a new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see, my friend, God created man after his own image and likeness. Jesus said in John 4, verse 24, that God is a spirit. So God breathed into man. Man became a living soul. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 shows us that man is tripet. We are made up of spirit, soul, and body. When Adam and Eve sinned, as the Lord told them, you will surely die. They did die. You don't see them dropping down dead, but spiritually they died. When you become born again, what happens, my friend, is your spirit man comes alive. Some of you remember that feeling. I remember something changing on my inside in the belly. The throne of the spirit is the belly. Jesus said, out of your belly flows rivers of living water. So, the image of God in you, which is a new man, is found on the inside. It's a spirit man. That is where righteousness and true holiness flows. Out of your belly flows rivers of living water. In John chapter 15, from verse 1 to 8, Jesus gives us this beautiful picture. He says that I am the true vine. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. There are many false vines, many false religions, but he says, I am the true vine. He says, my father is a husbandman or the gardener. He says that you are the branches. He says, every branch in me that bears fruit, he purges it. He, he prunes, the father prunes it. And I usually believe pruning is trials and tribulations that come our way to refine us. Then he says, every branch that abides in me bears what much fruit. Then he says, for with me, you can't do anything. So my friend, understand first of all that now that you have been born again, your spirit man in you is the image of God. That is where righteousness and true holiness flows. Not from your mind. Not from trying to be religious. It's an outflow of walking in the spirit. Let me repeat that again. It's an outflow of walking in the spirit. Hallelujah. So always remember this. If you're born again, Jesus is a true vine. You are the branch. Abide in him is what he says. He says, abide in me and I in me. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can he except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I am him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So if you want to walk in righteousness and true holiness, you have to abide in Jesus. First John chapter 2 verses 27 says that you have received an anointing. You have received an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Then it says that the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. 
You need not that any man teach you anything, but the same anointing teaches you all things and is truth and is no lie, even as it has taught you, abide in him. So the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit is what teaches you and I to abide in the presence of Jesus. So again, it's not about effort and putting so much effort and trying to say, oh, I'll pray five hours every day. Yes, you can do that with your effort, but after one month, you will quit. But when it's an outflow of a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus, you'll find that the anointing will teach you to abide. You always want to be in the presence of Jesus. This is grace, has nothing to do with works. Grace, my friend, is you, is God working for you or through you. Law or works is when you are trying to work for God. So you choose which one you desire. I prefer God working through me. Amen. So when God is working through you, you will find yourself bearing much fruit and thereby you are walking in righteousness, true holiness. Remember Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says that walk in the spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says for the flesh is fighting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Remember, it's your spirit man that is born again. This body will never be born again. It is prone to sin. It desires sin. You love to watch football, to watch movies and series. You love to be on social media, but to read your Bible, to pray, it's a struggle. Why? Jesus said to the disciples, he said, the flesh indeed is willing. Sorry, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the spirit is fighting against the flesh. It says, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the thing that you want to do. And it says, but if you are led of the spirit, you're not under the law, you're under grace. Look at that. Then he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, and it's fruit, it's singular, it's not a plural world, it's singular. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. Then it says, against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't come from you trying to keep the law. The fruit of the Spirit is an outflow of you abiding in the presence of Jesus. He is a true vine, you are the branch. Because you abide in Him, you bear forth much fruit. That is righteousness and true holiness flowing out of the new man that is in you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The older has gone, the new has come. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, verses 10 to 11, the Apostle Paul prays for the Philippians. And he says he is praying for them that they may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That has everything to do with righteousness and true holiness, that there will be a bride without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ and to the glory and praise of God. So, what's happening is that we need to get to that place where we look to Jesus for everything. Where Christ is truly all. And in the same book, Philippians chapter 3, Paul comes to this place where he's talking about his law keeping days when he was a Pharisee. He says that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He kept the law above his own equals. He was more zealous. But also, what was the result? He ended up killing Stephen. He ended up persecuting Christians. So keeping of the law doesn't bring you to faith. It can make you zealous, not for the right things, but for the wrong things. But when you're zealous for Jesus, when you're hungry to know him, you desire to know him, what happens is his righteousness and true holiness will start to permeate your entire being. 
So you have to get to that place, my friend, where you give up on your ability to be good, to be righteous. I'm talking about you who are born again. Putting your faith in your works, in your ability to pray, reading the Bible, and fasting. And probably I do these things more than people, more, many people who are watching me. I pray for hours, I read my Bible for hours, I fast. So I'm not saying that these things are not important, but it is Christ who is at work in me. And I don't put any confidence in them. I've put my faith in the finished work of Jesus. You have to come to the place where you say this like the Apostle Paul. But what things were gained to me? Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. What things were gained to me? Those I counted lost for Christ. He says, yeah, doubtless, I count all things, including the good things, the bad things, the religious things. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung or human waste. Think about that so that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, if I may, I may take hold of the things which Jesus has taken hold for me. He says, one, this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And he says, as many as those who are perfect, who are mature, think this way. That's, this is the mind of he who is mature in Christ. You're always looking to Jesus, his finished work. I want to read to you uh, a section of a book from a book written by a bishop called Henry Law, who wrote this in the year 1867. Yes, 153 years ago, this book was published. And this is what Henry Law says in his book, The Gospel in Leviticus. Leviticus 11 verse 44 says, You must be holy, because I am holy. Reader, be not deceived. Trust not to powers which are powers none. You must gain help from God, or you can never be a holy man. The wish and the ability are both divine. Can darkness melt itself to light? Can rocky mountains flow in liquid streams? Can poison's stem produce the luscious grape? Can hatred love? Can the dry bones reanimate themselves? These changes cannot be. Neither can dead souls burst their tombs and grow themselves in self-made life. The mighty agent is above, and until he works, no work is done. Then he goes on to say, Reader, would you be holy? There is no only one way. All other roads lead down to deeper mire. Christ must come in. All is dark death except where Jesus lives lives all is pure life and loveliness where jesus reigns draw near and nearer to the gospel page there gaze on christ until the soul's filters melt into his likeness the gospel hard and red and loved are the bright wings on which the spirit flies the spirit presence brings the savior near then he says the lord jesus received i love this the lord jesus received his holiness began the lord jesus cherished is holiness advancing. The Lord Jesus counted upon as never absent would be holiness complete. 
<laughs> Holiness complete is heaven, heaven's full blaze. Then he says, believer, this subject has a warning voice. You mourn shortcomings. You find the hated monster still, still striving for the rule. Evil is present when you do good. Help is laid up for you in Christ. Seek clearer interest in him. Faith sow the seeds. Assurance brings in golden sheaves. They who most deeply feel that they have died in Christ and paid in him sin's penalties ascend to, heights, to the highest heights of godly living. He is most holy, who has most of Christ within and relishes most fully in the finished work. It is effective faith which clogs the feet and causes many to fall. Everything I've shared, my friend, if you're not born again, cannot make sense for you. You must be born again. You must be born of what and of the Spirit. And if you're not born again, I want to pray with you right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I repent and I believe the gospel. I turn to you right now. I confess Jesus is Lord over my life. That he died on the cross and rose after three days. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead and so I am saved. Thank you, Jesus, that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that the Holy Spirit has come into my life and that I am sealed with him permanently. My friend, if you have prayed that prayer with me, you are saved. You are righteous and holy. Simple as that. It's not this prayer that saves you. It is faith in what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago that saved you. There's anyone who is watching me and you're sick physically in your body, or maybe you're bound, tormented by demonic spirits. Maybe you have addictive habits, whatever it is. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I send forth a word of healing that delivers you from all your distractions. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Sickness, disease, all manner of sickness, all manner of disease, go. Every demonic spirit, every addictive habit, you live right now in Jesus' mighty name. And he, whoever it is that desires to be baptized with the Holy Spirit right now, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I prophesy through this screen. She'll begin to speak in tongues. And more importantly, you will become a witness. So receive the Holy Spirit right now. I've in Jesus' mighty name. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Many years on end. There was none. That my soul could depend My soul cries out For your presence in here This very hour For your presence